It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. We've got a big show planned for you today. We'll go through headlines in the first and second segment. Third and fourth segment, we will be talking with Mesa County Commissioner Rose Puglisi. Uh, Rose and uh, the Mayor of Monument, Don Wilson, sprang into action after this uh, Colorado State House Senate and Governor passed and put into law this national popular vote uh, compact. And there's something very unique in the Colorado Constitution that unless it's for the safety, they call it the safety clause, the uh, quote-unquote the safety and welfare of uh, the citizens of Colorado, uh, the citizens can actually review this legislation. So Rose and Don said, okay, we're going to do that. And so they are currently getting petitions signed uh, in order to get this question on the ballot. Should, in fact, uh, our votes go to the big population centers like Los Angeles and San Francisco and New York, or should our voices count for Colorado? And so we'll be talking with Rose Puglisi about that in the third and fourth segment. I did want to let you know, uh, earlier this week, we uh, talked with Ben Martin on the Federalist Papers, and the Federalist Papers show is being brought to you, sponsored by the Harris family, and I just wanted to say thank you to them because I greatly appreciate that. Uh, So let's go ahead and jump in here. Today's quote is Coco Chanel, and uh, this is a quote on courage. She said, the most courageous act is still to think for yourself out loud. Steve, you look like... (laughs) Run up past me again. The most courageous act is still to think for yourself aloud. You yeah. know, out yeah. loud. You I know, think, I think I like that. I think I like that too. Just getting people to think. Just getting people to think, but then to be able, and that's why Liberty Toastmasters, uh, we had them on yesterday, is so important, is to get your thoughts together and then be able to com- communicate them. And that does take courage to do that. Okay, Steve, are you ready for today's funnies? I found a whole bunch of things on voting. So we're going to be having these from time to time, but I thought this was very appropriate since we have Rose on with the national popular vote. I've cheated. I, I, I know what's coming, and this is a good one. <laughs> okay. While looking at a house, my brother asked the real estate agent which direction was north because he explained he didn't want the sun waking him up every morning. And she asked, does the sun rise in the north? Well, when another person jumped in and explained the sun rises in the east and has for some time, she shook her head and said, I don't keep up with that stuff. And then she voted. (laughs) Okay, the drummer. The drummer took the day off, huh? I think that one caught him. Oh, Oh, there he is. Okay. Okay, let's jump into these headlines. Let's go. Oh, I must say, thank you. Thank you to Zach, and thank you to producer Steve and Patty, and to Keith. Patty, I tell you, she has, uh, (laughs) we have about three hours of uh, information here, which is great. So let's jump in here. First thing in the state, this is from Colorado Peak Politics. 
says another day, another ban on oil and gas. Broomfield again passes oil and gas moratorium. Says following the passage of Senate Bill 181, Democrats declared the war against oil and gas over. The only problem is that someone forgot to tell local governments. And my friends, just a comment here. If they can't get it done at the state level, they are now trying to do all of this control at the local level. Since the bill passed, seven jurisdictions have passed uh, moratoriums on oil and gas development, including the latest in Broomfield, which imposed a six-month ban on energy development in the town. This, in essence, is, is just shutting down uh, oil and gas. People are, are, you know, these companies are not going to invest in Colorado if this continues. And uh, so that's uh, pretty important to understand. You know, and I, I forgot to do this, and, and that is, is uh, every morning trying to give you some some words as you are talking with friends and family and, and colleagues. And uh, really, the question out there when we're looking at public policy, is it force or is it freedom? So freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And uh, studies show that most people in America still, you know, would like government to leave them alone so that they could live their, their lives. And socialism is force. It's never compassionate to take others' rights property or freedom via force, whether it's through a weapon, taxation, or public policy. And our frequent guest, Stephen Kessler, Ph.D., he's a millennial, he says, ask three questions of liberal slash uh, socialists. First of all, do you have any skin in the game? Second of all, are we bringing people up or are we yanking them down? And Steve, I was thinking about this on the way in. You know, we uh, are continuing to have this, quote-unquote, white privilege narrative. There's people going into schools talking about white privilege. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to yank people down instead of build everybody up. And I thought, I thought you know, Steve, Stephen is right on on that particular question. And then lastly, you felt good, but did you do good? And so those are the questions there. Can I ask a question? Yeah. It, regarding the skin in the game thing, recently... I mean, this is nothing new to us all. Anybody who's paying attention at all sees these Hollywood elites blasting away at, at Trump or anything else that you know they feel that that their opinion counts or weighs so heavily on. But I would ask them: Do you have any skin in the game in terms of the way the working class people see the world and how they live their lives? Yeah, you're you're up on, on your pedestal with your multi million dollar movies and stuff that you do. But when you're blasting away at, you know, uh, the success of Donald Trump or ignoring the success of Donald Trump, it's, it's an apples and oranges conversation. And I, and I wish you'd just shut up. Well, what about Cher? Remember when uh, Donald Trump said, OK, you, you guys all want illegal aliens, then we'll, you know, we'll ship them up to you. And at that point in time, she said, wait a minute. So until they have any skin in the game. And that's really the thing on taxation. Or anything, people make different decisions when they have skin in the game, and so that's such an excellent question. Um, you know what? Before we get into the uh, the other headlines, there was something when I walked in. You were sitting in front of your computer screen and you were chuckling. <laughs> well, actually, which one do you want? I mean, there's the good and there's the bad and the ugly. Uh, I don't know. Did you have a chance to see any of Trump's address to the Air Force Academy cadets graduating? You know, I didn't see any of it, but I heard that he shook every he did every every cadet's hand. He was I mean, he was having a hard time keeping up because they would read the name so quickly and they would come at him from both sides. So he was constantly spinning back and forth to greet each cadet. And uh, some of them, it 
they it wasn't just a handshake and congratulations. He was really engaging them in a, in a little, you know, 15, 20 second little chit chat. And he made it so personable. And his words in the address were so motivating. His speeches are good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What I was chuckling at. <laughs> and you say, could it get, possibly get any more stupid? The Fox headline reads, Hillary Clinton to serve as keynote speaker at the Cyber Defense Summit. Well, she she should know something about that because, you know, she scrubbed all those emails. And, uh, yeah, and, and smashed uh, hard drives and yeah, yada bleach, yada. But yeah. I guess this company who is asking her, uh, the name of the company is FireEye, uh, maybe they, they see some something positive in having her be the keynote speaker. <laughs> I wonder if she's getting paid. Oh, you know, the, Probably. the Clintons don't do, they don't blow their nose without getting paid. That's true. Guys, do you remember, you probably don't remember this, but I remember this. You know how, you know how you can donate to like ARC or Goodwill, you know, all yeah. those things. I had read that they had donated their old underwear. I mean, that's one thing I don't think that you should donate to people is your old underwear. But <laughs> when you say they, you mean the Clintons? Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Especially Bill. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. We're not <laughs> moving on. We're going to move on move now. On. Okay. Let's see. The next thing I think that we'll get to is number four here from the Grand Junction Sentinel. Tri-State uh, Energy gets an offer to retire their coal assets. A Denver-based wholesale power provider is pro- proposing a roughly half billion dollar deal under which Str- uh, Tri-State Generation and Transmission Association would retire their coal assets in Moffat County and a New Mexico site and shift toward more renewable energy. Guzman Energy's proposal would eliminate nearly half of Tri-State's coal-fired power capacity not already slated for early closure. With Guzman stepping in to supply that power to Tri-State largely from renewable sources. Says it could help address the concerns of some of uh, Tri-State's member local energy cooperatives who want to see Tri-State provide cheaper and cleaner in power. You know, I just have to say there. First of all, uh, our our coal-fired plants are very very clean now. And the other thing is, is they say that it's going to cost less. But just earlier in the week, Patty had a headline on there that in fact uh, I think Excel is in front of the PUC asking for. Uh, rate increases. So they say one thing and they do another. But what's going to happen is this is really, really going to hurt people in Moffat County. That's where the Craig Station power plant and two local uh, coal mines that supply it provide hundreds of jobs. And Guzman's Energy's proposals calls for the targeted coal-fired power plants to shut down by 2025. I mean, Steve, this is beyond belief what's going on here in Colorado. Yeah, I don't know where to start. Yesterday we had, Patty gave us a story regarding uh, Glenwood Springs becoming 100% renewable. And that story was so full of holes, not not because of Patty, but because of the way it was written. Right. It suggested that, okay, their power is now going to be coming from some big wind farm facility in Nebraska. Well, again, the average Joe reading that says, oh my, did they build transmission lines from Nebraska to Glenwood Springs? No, they didn't. They're going to be pouring power into the grid from Nebraska, let's say, and it's one kilowatt in, one kilowatt out type mm-hmm. of thing. But what about the days that you can't do that when there's no... Wind. Yeah. 
And if you were shuttering coal plants in Colorado, now Colorado becomes kind of like a black hole for power. We're now consuming more power off the grid than we're putting normally putting in. And again, we could become a black hole. So that story, it just didn't set right with me. Well, and, you know, the, the other thing is, is, is you're seeing all these public policies that are trying to put more and more demand for electricity, putting uh, electric cars. And it's, I mean, I, I don't know where it's going to end for sure. To, but I do know this, that reliable, reliable, affordable, and efficient energy is key to helping everyday individuals uh, you know, go after their American dream. And so you have all these different things that, that they're trying to really socialize, if you will, where government is going to control it. And once they control all the electricity and get, uh, you know, and, and shut all these coal plants, I just wonder where it's going to end, Steve. Who's our friend in the uh, Colorado automobile dealers, Tim Jackson? Uh-huh. It, maybe it's time to have him on again. I did see a piece yesterday that they're getting more and more organized, and they're really getting ready to push back on the ZEV concept. Uh, uh, let, let's see where it goes. Well, I'd like to get the inside scoop. We definitely need to do that. But uh, let's go to break. Before we do that, though, I mean, it's a fun time for sports right now. And the Rockies, <laughs> they have broken the 500 mark with another win over the Arizona Diamondbacks. The bats were busy yesterday. 11-10 was the score. Uh, the Rockies continue with their homestand with a three-game series with the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, in the basketball finals, the Toronto Raptors have a one-game lead over the Golden State Warriors. Game two is Sunday evening. And in the battle for the Stanley Cup, the St. Louis Blues and Boston Bruins have tied their series at one game each. And their next game is Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And Hooters is the spot to be this summer. Watch all these games. Enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious uh, snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. I think I'm going to have that uh, for the girls next time um, when they come over. Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down this summer. And additional happenings at Hooters, they have nine items for $9, 11 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. You can choose from nine delicious menu items such as fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteak, and, of course, their boneless wings. So you can get in to dine in, you can get get it to go, or you can del- have it delivered right to your front door. For more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com, and let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We will be right back with more headlines. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And coming soon, Vino and Veritas in Northern Colorado. Know why you believe what you believe and be able to have conversations with friends, family, and colleagues. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank qualified listeners, veterans listening to veterans, brought to you by Dan Brooke and Cheryl Tooten in Centennial. In Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Colorado Custom Services, promotional products, embroidery, engraving, and more. Thank you for sponsoring this fascinating study of the U.S. Constitution. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com.
Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. As we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. And we're offering you a conservatarian perspective. Uh, Some more headlines here. Uh, First of all, this was from Fox Business on the national uh, level. This is this is of concern. You know, we have been living for the last um, many years off of the the benefits of the American idea of free markets and capitalism. And then we've seen over the last 100 years this move towards um, they call it progressivism, liberalism. But what it really is, is it's government control. It's socialism. And it takes a long time, but you can see things start to change a little bit. And Fox News says the U.S. is no longer the world's most competitive economy. Bank rate senior economic analyst Mark Hamrick said on the state of the U.S. economy, the United States no longer has the most competitive in the world, according to annual rankings compiled by the Switzerland-based business school, IMD. For the first time in nine years, Singapore replaced the U.S. as the world's most competitive economy. The U.S. dropped down to third on the list thanks to higher fuel prices, weaker high-tech exports, fluctuations in the value of the dollar, and fading impact of massive tax overhaul. Hong Kong, meanwhile, remained in second place, and China was ranked 14th. And to determine the results, the study incorporated 235 indicators from each of the ranked 63 economies, taking into account statistics like unemployment, GDP, and government spending on health and education, as well as issues like social cohesion, corruption, and globalization. So um, I find it interesting. Can I, I I hate to do this to you because you're so serious and you're so focused. But as soon as you said free markets, I thought of a meme I saw yesterday on Facebook. Our our buddy AOC, not the real smart one, but the other one, <laughs> she's still looking for the free markets. And, and the correction or the, says, no, Ocasio, it's, uh, it's not a free grocery store. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you bring her up and I have all kinds of other things. But you know what? I'm going to stay on task here because I want to talk about, uh, let's see, one of my other favorite companies. And that is Elon Musk and Tesla. When we're talking about electricity, and you mentioned ZEVs, the zero emission vehicles, the electric vehicles and LEVs, low emission vehicles. Uh, And uh, here in Colorado, uh, Governor Hickenlooper uh, put in an executive order to push people into LEVs. Then Governor Polis got into office and, I mean, he hardly had sat down and he actually um, uh, had put in another executive order to push us towards ZEVs. And uh, and so what happens is, and with these new executive orders, then there's going to be rulemaking by people that have been appointed by these govern, uh, governors that are going to put these rules and regulations in, in place that ultimately is going to ding, it's going to penalize um, car dealers if they don't sell a certain part of their fleet as electric vehicles. Now, that's not the free market. How about if we let people buy the cars that they want to. But if, in fact, these dealers don't hit that level, then they are penalized. But they can offset those penalties by buying credits. There's only one company in the country that offers those credits, and that's Tesla. And I think last year Tesla made, I think it was about $831 billion, I think, 
uh, on uh, on that. And, you know, I better make sure that that's billion and not million, but it was a pretty significant amount. And anyway, so Tesla gets a price cut from Barclays. And Elon Musk says deliveries need catching up. Analysts at Barclays cut their price target on Tesla. And the clean energy car maker, just hours after the founder and CEO, Elon Musk, said it needed a lot of catching up to achieve record deliveries in the current quarter. And under pressure from shareholders, potential China tariffs, increasing competition, and a myriad of production challenges, Musk has sought to steady the stock's precipitous 2019 decline with a tighter grip on costs and a renewed focus on deliveries, which he hopes he can top the fourth quarter record of 90,700 over the three months ending in June. Now, bear in mind, my friends, uh, Elon Musk has received, I know, at least $4.9 billion in government subsidies. And that was from a 2015 report in the Los Angeles Times. And so I think that's um, important that you know that. I want to go to this next one regarding housing supply and affordable housing. This is from uh, Foundation for Economic Education. It says, for affordable housing, let supply meet demand. (laughs) You know, Sherlock, of course. Rather than subsidizing traditional affordable housing, conservatives have pushed to liberalize land use as a way to preserve options for everyone. Economist Jed Kolko compiled a study a few years ago with Trulia, a real estate site, looking into affordability in metro areas. Kolko analyzed 32 right-leaning metros, 40 left-leaning ones, and 20 solidly Democrat strongholds and found that even after adjusting for differences in income, liberal markets tend to have higher income inequality and worse affordability. A separate study by Matthew Kahn, a UCLA economist, noted that as metros in California became more liberal, they issued fewer permits and built fewer homes. Just a note here, one of the things that is now on our radar is this Blueprint Denver. It's 300 pages. It's about two inches thick. And that is, uh, they're going to be controlling everything from, you know, energy to housing and one of the things that, that they're doing is they're going to be limiting single-family homes, and they do that via zoning and via uh, permits. So anyway, Khan wrote that cities experiencing a growth in their liberal voter share have a lower new housing permit growth rate. Around the country, a similar reluctance to address permitting delays can be found, but at the same time, those officials push for increased subsidies for affordable housing which that puts in government programs, which then, once again, they are at the, um, the, the teat, if you will, of uh, the taxpayers. And it ensures that supply never meets demand. And uh, city officials often favor stricter land use policies overall, not just in permitting. Mandatory parking minimums. There are also minimum lot size requirements. And these cities often have higher property tax burdens than average. And many forget and don't realize that renters are not exempt from paying property taxes. In Texas' largest county, Harris, the burden on renters has increased four times faster than on homeowners. One complex owner in the Dallas area said that roughly $400 to $500 of his tenants' $1,500 a month rent goes to to overall property tax burdens. Considering renters don't get the exemptions that homeowners do, like exemptions for the elderly, disabled, and veterans in many instances, they carry a larger property tax burden. 
Rather than subsidizing traditional affordable housing, conservatives have pushed to liberalize land use as a way to preserve options for everyone on the economic spectrum. But there is a lot of room for improvement in cities, and reinserting the free market into the housing debate will make affordability a sustainable reality in a way that subsidies never will. And then additionally, you know, we had Karen Levine on recently. Uh, she's an award-winning realtor with uh, REMAX Alliance, and we were talking about regulation. And uh, we definitely know that regu- rules and regulation contribute to 25% of the cost of a new house. If we want to make things affordable, how about we uh, reduce these rules and regulations so that people can buy a home? There's something about having a backyard. And uh, so I think that uh, we're going to stay on that because we've got to get through this whole uh, blueprint Denver because I, I need to understand exactly what it is they're trying to do and, what the, and how they're trying to control us. Uh, but uh, we've got Jason McBride on, on the line with us. Jason, how are you doing today? Oh, well, I missed the first couple minutes of your show this morning, so I don't know if you covered the important news that uh, the governor of Colorado, our wonderful governor, Jared Polis, uh, just signed a law allowing marijuana tasting rooms. Uh, we did not talk about that. You didn't? No. Well, yeah, dispensaries will be able to have tastings at restaurants, art galleries, all kinds of places. So maybe it could be Greeno and Veritas from now on. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I don't think I'm going there yet. <laughs> oh, come on. You know, so so what? Variety. You know? <laughs> a little variety, that's for sure. So, So what's on your mind this morning? Well, uh, we've got a kind of a new development that's roiling the markets, at least pre-open here. Uh, I'm sure you saw that uh, Trump has imposed tariffs on Mexico that become effective on June 10th of 5% on everything. Any products that come in from Mexico are being tariffed at 5%, and he said he's going to keep raising them until... Mexico actually takes some sort of action to remedy uh, all of these people that are coming across Mexico from Central America to our border. Wow. You know what? I think that's a good idea, Jason McBride. What do you think? Well, you know, I'm, I, I have to think about this one. Uh, you know, it starts at 5%, and then he said on July 10th it goes to 10 Every month it'll go up another 5% until it's a 25% tariff on anything coming in from Mexico. Um, you know, I understand with China, uh, that, that's kind of trying to, to battle a trade imbalance, You know, I wonder, I always thought it would be better to put a huge tariff on all the money that's being sent back to Mexico through Western Union and other means, because uh, I believe I read somewhere that 50% of their GDP is from money that's being sent back from America. Interesting. I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah, that would put pressure on them, but not... uh, you know, maybe not on, on us or product prices or, uh, you know, I'm just not sure. We, yeah, it's too early. I just saw the news. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure on this, and I'd have to think about it. But the market doesn't like it, that's for sure. Okay, so the futures are down significantly yeah. right now? Yeah, Dow's futures are down about 300. Uh, if we open here, we're likely to take out, um, you know, the recent lows. 
uh, depending on by how. Yeah, it's, again, very important to see kind of what we do here around the 200-day moving average and in the recent lows. But this isn't going to help the cause, at least not short-term. Yeah, short-term, yeah. So, you know, if you are, you know, kind of concerned, you want to, about your personal economy, you know, things that looks like they're going to be a little rocky here in the stock market. And, uh, Jason, you guys, uh, you and your colleagues over at Presidential Wealth Management are really in the business of helping people with their own personal economy. Well, I think we are, and we do a good job of it, and and I could say most of us uh, try to help people structure their own personal economy to where, you know, they're not going to see so much volatility from the market. Uh, Part of that is having a, uh, yeah, it's an overused word, but a well-diversified portfolio. And, Kim, by that, I don't mean that you have some big stocks and some mid-cap stocks and some small cap stocks and some tech stocks and some oil stocks there's different types of investments that have nothing to do with the stock market and i think true diversification isn't a bunch of different stocks because they all behave the same when the market goes down it's having many different actual varied types of investments that behave very differently and that is the way to assure that your personal economy is working the way that you want it to so be sure and check uh, check out chickspresidential.com that's chickspresidential.com and uh, also the phone number is 303-694-1600. And your podcasts are there. What's the most recent podcast uh, that you have on there, Jason? You know, I, uh, the most recent one I have is uh, an interview with Jeffrey Hirsch from the Stock Traders Almanac. That was a fun one. But I took last week off, and uh, I can't remember. Taylor and uh, another gal in the office did, and I apologize, Kim. I can't remember exactly what the subject Well, is. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. So That's okay. if people want to find out what that is, they need to go to chickspresidential.com, and you can find out what it was last week. That's right. Just up at the top, click podcast at chickspresidential.com. Okay. It's well, a J- mystery. It's a mystery, that's for sure. Jason, have a great weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday. All and- right. Have a great show, Kim. Thanks so much. And before we go to break, Patty just texted me so that I got the correct amount on this Tesla, on the Tesla credits. They made $831 million, and that was the Tesla credits for the period of 2015 to 2017. So, you know, about $200 million short of a billion dollars. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. So thank you, Patty, for giving me the – we want to make sure that we have the correct information coming out for you. And this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk with Rose Puglisi, a Mesa County Commissioner, regarding the national popular vote. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. 
You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks radio show. Contact us at Americhicks.com or email Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation offering you a conservatarian perspective. I am so excited to be talking with Rose Puglisi, Mesa County Commissioner. Uh, You know, when uh, the state legislature, the state house, state senate, and then the governor signed into law this national uh, popular vote compact, Rose and the mayor of Monument, Don Wilson, sprang into action. Rose Puglisi, welcome. It's great to have you with the Americhicks. Thank you so much, Kim, for having me. So you and Don, uh, you have created something here. First of all, explain to people what is at stake. What, what is this National Popular Vote Compact, and what's at stake in your eyes? Well, basically, the National Popular Vote Compact um, takes states' electoral college votes, so Colorado's nine electoral college votes would go into a pool where basically um, larger states like New York and California would decide for Colorado um, where our electoral college votes go for president. And so obviously we want to make sure that Colorado's votes stay in Colorado, and we're very committed to this issue. So what happened down at the state legislature then? So basically, the state legislature um, passed uh, the National Popular Vote um, Compact and basically allowed Colorado to join this compact of states. Um, And when those states get to, in the compact, get to 270 electoral college votes, which basically determines the president of the United States, um, those handful of states would be able to um, take Colorado's nine electoral college votes and um, and give them to whomever those states decide should be president. And so when you saw this going through the state legislature, now you're a Mesa County commissioner, um, which that is a really important job to, in Colorado to be a commissioner because you're basically the governing board of, of your county. Um, what, I mean, you, you and Don, first of all, how'd you know each other? How'd you decide to, to push back on this? So here's how it started for Donna and myself. Um, So for me, I was walking down Main Street when this, um, in Grand Junction, um, walking to a lunch, and literally five people stopped me on the street that day. It's one of the privileges of being a Mason County Commissioner. Um, Five people stopped me on the street that day and said, what are you going to do about the national popular vote? We can't let 
places like California and New York decide for Colorado where our electoral college votes go. And so um, at that point, I wasn't sure exactly what could be done. Um, the bill was still going through the legislature. And so I talked to a, a few friends and they connected me with Don. Um, who Mayor Wilson was also very committed to this issue. And um, we decided to go through a referendum process to put this on the ballot um, in 2020 so that the people of Colorado can decide um, how they want their electoral college votes counted. So what is that process? I know that there's people out there with petitions. Uh, So what, you have to petition to get this on the ballot? Is that what's going to happen? Yes. So we need just under 125,000 signatures for this to go on the 2020 ballot. Um, We have to get those signatures in by August 1st. However, we are currently in the process. I mean, the outpouring of support that Mayor Wilson and I have received on this issue has been absolutely amazing. And the momentum has not stopped. We have over 2,100 volunteers that we know of, completely grassroots, um, circulating petitions, And um, so what we're trying to do right now is if people have petitions that are filled with 30 signatures or more, there's 40 to a packet, we're trying to get those signatures back so that we can validate those signatures so that we have a better idea as to what our numbers actually look like. But like I said, we need over 100, um, we need just under 125,000. We are shooting for 200,000 because Uh, Some of those signatures will get thrown out for one reason or the other, and we want to make sure that the people have a a chance to vote on this issue. Okay, so if people, if you are one of those 2,100 and you have 30 signatures uh, or more, you'd like that petition back, but you could probably then get another new petition that you could be circulating, correct? Absolutely. We have boxes printed and ready for people um, who want to continue to circulate. Absolutely. Okay, now what about people, now James uh, Takeda over here on the Front Range has really been working hard as far as uh, where people can go to sign these petitions. And it's, uh, let me give that to you, it is um, coloradanvote.org. That's coloradanvote.org. And he has a number of locations where people can go to sign those petitions. Uh, What about, uh, you know, out, out on the Western Slope? How can people you know, find out where to, where to sign this. So the coloradansvote.org website, thank you for putting that out there, is our official website. So if you want to get petitions, um, sign up to um, locate uh, meeting locations, to sign petitions, circulate, donate. All of that is done through Coloradans Vote, and that's our statewide site. Okay. So whether you're in Grand Junction or uh, Montezuma, or Pueblo County, you, anyone who's interested in this effort, just go to coloradansvote.org and you can get information for your area. Okay. And people can still sign up to get petitions as well, and you can get all that information you said at coloradansvote.org. Absolutely. Okay. Now, do you have any idea where you are in trying to get to these 200,000 uh, signatures? We are doing very well. Um, you know, the petitions that we've gotten back so far, obviously we have a lot more out. Um, we have enough petitions out for over 120,000 signatures. And the amazing thing is all of these packets that we've received so far have come back completely full. So 40 signatures every packet. So, um, we, as, like I said, we're in the process of validating so that we know that we've got some good signatures. So I don't have a good number as to, you know, this is the number we have today. 
but I do know that we are in a very good position um, to get this on the ballot. Now, another thing, this is very grassroots. It's very organic. And I'm just thinking, this has got to cost, I mean, there's a lot of time involved in this, and it sounds like there's a lot of people donating their time. But there are hard costs on this. And uh, how are you doing money-wise? I think I heard that you were doing, uh, that you'd done something with Freedom Fi, which is that uh, crowdfunding source at uh, Independence Institute, and that went really well. Absolutely. So, you know, on our website, we we have people who have donated $20 to $100 to $1,000, very grassroots. Um, John Caldera with Independence Institute has allowed me to do two Freedom 5 videos, and we've been able to raise money that way as well. Um, Obviously, it takes money to print these petitions, to validate these petitions. And so um, if anyone is willing to support our effort, we really appreciate it. But you know what's really amazing about this effort is that it is completely nonpartisan. The people that I am talking to, they're Republicans, they're Democrats, they're unaffiliated. They all feel this issue is really important to them because it's their votes. It's something that's very personal to them. And, you know, this legislature, you know, it doesn't matter what your issue is. This legislature attacked every single one of those issues. If it's guns, they went after your guns. If it's oil and gas, they went after your jobs. If it's um, vaccines, they went after your right to parent. Um, But when they went after people's votes, that's where, I mean, you people stepped up and said, you know what, enough's enough. We want to be part of this effort to make sure we have a voice. It wasn't the legislators, legislature's votes to give away. It wasn't the governor's votes to give away. These are our votes, and we have the right to vote on that. Absolutely. It's amazing. Rose, it, it, that, it is so important. I, I want to go to break. When we come back, though, I think that there's possible confusion about, you know, how people are supposed to vote. And so we need to make sure that people understand okay. the Electoral College And then we need to kind of describe what the ballot question looks like so people understand what it is and that, you know, do I vote yes or do I vote no? You know, to accomplish what I want to accomplish. So let's go to break. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. I'm talking with uh, Mesa County Commissioner Rose Puglisi, who uh, this national popular vote question that's going to be on the ballot is uh, her brainchild with uh, the mayor of Monument, Don Wilson. And so we will be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, May 24th through Thursday, May 30th, features will include Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Aladdin, 
and the hustle. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Hey, welcome back to the Ameritix with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Thrilled to be having a conversation with Rose Puglisi. She is a Mesa County Commissioner, and she is one of the, the two folks that are getting this national popular vote compact question on the ballot. Before we go to you, Rose, though, a couple of things. Steve, uh, Patty had had on our, our headlines that the Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak vetoed the national popular vote bill out in uh, in Nevada. This is from the Washington Times. He surprised onlookers Thursday by vetoing a bill to join this national popular vote interstate compact. He said it would reduce the influence of low population states like his in presidential contests. The agreement, he said, would upset, upset the framers' balance between small and large states and could leave a sparsely populated western state like Nevada with a greatly diminished voice in the outcome of national electoral contests. And I think he's a Democrat. And you said something else just came across the wire, Steve? Yeah, I'm just now looking at it. The state of Maine, the House of Representatives, rejects effort to link electoral college to the national popular vote. Okay. So it seems like as people are starting to understand this, and as Rose, you mentioned, it's both Democrats, unaffiliated, or all three, and uh, Republicans, they're saying, wait a minute, you're messing with a lot of things, but now you're messing with my vote. So uh, explain to our listeners, I don't think a lot of people understand the, elect- the Electoral College. Okay, so um, for Colorado, we get nine Electoral College votes. And um, so there are other states that obviously have a lot more, like California and New York, who are part of this compact. Um, it's interesting, you know, Nevada and Maine, um, there, I've gotten calls from people in Oregon. Um, Mayor Wilson has gotten people from calls, even in California, saying that this goes too far. Um, states' rights are at issue when we are trying to pool our electoral college votes to vote for the president. And generally, um, the presidential candidate that gets 270 votes or more is, you know, becomes mm-hmm. our president. And this really started um, because basically some the argument is um, that the president should be elected by popular vote. So whoever gets the majority of the popular vote um, throughout the country, that's the person that should be our president. Um, what people forget is that our founders um, started us as a republic, not, um, not a democracy. And so having this representative um, form of government is really important to preserve. And so making sure that places like Colorado, um, as the Nevada governor pointed out, and especially more rural and less populated areas, still get a voice um, in who our president is, is very important. Um, otherwise, you're going to have you know, the higher populated states overrunning the smaller states. And that's a real issue for us. You know, these are Colorado's votes. Um, We should be able to cast those votes to president, and they should be counted um, for Colorado by Coloradans. And so that's our problem. Well, most definitely. And, 
and the reason and the founders really thought about this the electoral college is in the constitution and if you want to change the constitution you need to go through the amendment process so this is stomping i think all over the constitution but it's brilliant what they did regarding the electoral college because they said that each state would get the number of electoral votes of their number of house of representatives Plus their senators. And, you know, the, the number of senators was was everybody gets the same number of senators. So that, in essence, gives smaller states an equal voice over in the Senate. And then, of course, the House of Representatives is basically on population. And so then they mirrored those two things together to determine the number of electoral votes so that, like you say, that the the highly populated states don't run over the small states, but yet the small states uh, can you know can't totally hold the the, um, the highly populated states hostage either. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing that they came up with. And the uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and you know we use the word the majority of the votes, but in essence, what this would do is it would be a plurality. It's not going to be a majority. It would be a plurality uh, of the uh, uh, number of votes, and so it would further probably delegitimize people's votes, which is a, a lot of concern. So we've, we need to get to the, what this ballot question is going to look like, though, because the wording is important and people need to understand you know, exactly which way to vote. So tell us a little bit about that, Rose. Absolutely. So basically, the, the language um, for the ballot question is determined by the Constitution for a referendum process. So um, basically, it states whether or not Colorado should join a compact of states um, for um, our votes for president. So it doesn't say electoral college, which I know has thrown people off, um, but this is the statute, this is the constitutional language we had to use. Now, obviously, we are advocating for a no vote. Okay. And what's great about that is that people in Colorado like to vote no more than they like to vote yes. So. Um, so I think we already have an advantage, and Magellan did a poll um, showing that we're people are pretty split, 50-50, um, with a little bit of an advantage on um, not joining the compact. So, um, so basically, we're advocating for a no vote. No, we do not want to uh, join this compact of states um, for our presidential votes. And so that's the language. And I also wanted to mention, you know, what's really interesting when we're talking about the majority vote um, or the national popular vote, is Colorado is a winner-take-all state. So we have nine electoral college votes, and um, whoever wins the popular vote in Colorado gets all nine of those votes. And so when people say, well, you know, whoever wins the majority um, of the vote should get our, you know, should become president, and I say, absolutely, I agree. I agree that whoever wins the majority in Colorado should get Colorado's votes. And um, and that's the system we currently have in place. We shouldn't be messing with it. Well, this is really fascinating. Um, what else? I, I, you and I had talked. Uh, well, you know, you did uh, the the Stanford Colorado rally over in Grand Junction. That's kind of how you and I first started to get to talk to each other. I knew who you were, and then I saw that you were doing this national popular vote, and I'm like. My gosh, that that girl has guts. I, I'm like, wow, I need to get to know her better on that. <laughs> but uh, when we had talked about this, uh, and getting this on the ballot is so important, and will this be in on the ballot in 2019 or in 2020? 
Um, constitutionally, it requires us to put it on the 2020 ballot, which is great because, um, you know, we have till August 1st, then um, our signatures will go to the Secretary of State's office. But in that year and a half that we have, we can really educate people on the Electoral College. Like you said, people have a lot of questions, a lot of confusion um, about how their votes are currently counted and why the Electoral College is still relevant and important. So that'll give us a year and a half to really launch a great education campaign so that people understand what they're voting for. You know, I think that's going to be really great because it means people are going to have to start to think again about the Constitution. And it's something that is pretty easy to read. uh, And I would recommend that everybody read that. And the other thing, Rose, I am saying, you know, your vote is sacred. In in America, I think people look at their vote and they think that it is very sacred. But the other thing is is if, uh, if in fact, uh, you don't know the candidate and what they stand for, or if you don't understand the issue, I think you have a responsibility either A, to find out, or B, not to vote. Because an uninformed voter, I think, is more dangerous than not voting at all. And Steve just handed me a note. He says, do you think the Secretary of State of Colorado will be unbiased as, uh, as you go through this process? Wow, that's a great question, Steve. Um, <laughs> Well, it's, you know, I, I'm an attorney, um, and so it, the, watching this process has been very interesting for me um, from that perspective, because right after the National Popular Vote Compact um, had gone through the legislature and was signed in by the governor, the Secretary of State said, uh, you know, this is the greatest day, you know, for Colorado. Um, she fully supports the National Popular Vote Compact. And in my mind, I'm thinking, does she realize that she needs to adjudicate um, these petitions that will be going through the Secretary of State's office? Um, to me, that's kind of a conflict of interest um, from an attorney perspective. But we, you know, we are fully committed to this effort. We um, we're going to get the signatures that we need to get this on the ballot, and um, we we trust that the Secretary of State's office will adjudicate these fairly. If there was uh, any idea that maybe some shenanigans are going on or some bias, uh, what kind of action could be taken? You know, we're hoping to avoid, you know, any legal action on on this issue. But, you know, we we will do everything that we um, have to do to make sure this gets on the ballot and to the, the vote of the people. Okay. Rose Puglisi, we have just about a minute. Uh, What is the final thought that you would like to uh, leave with our listeners? We're still looking for grassroots volunteers. If you can, um, you know, help us in any way, we really appreciate it. Obviously, donations are welcomed as well. Please go on our website, coloradansvote.org, to get more information. Okay. Well, great. Rose, thank you so much. And uh, thank you. It was fun to get to do the Stand for Colorado rally with you. And I have people reaching out, and they want to do another one. So. I'll, oh, let, fantastic. I'll let you know as we go along with that as well. So Rose Puglisi, Mesa County Commissioner, she is a real hero here in Colorado. Thank you so much for joining the AmeriChicks this morning. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. And uh, it is Friday. And uh, my quote for today is Thomas Jefferson. You know, we are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. And this is his comments regarding Republican government. He says, the Republican is the only form of government which is not eternally at open or secret war with the rights of mankind. Again, the Republican is the only form of government 
which is not eternally at open or secret war with the rights of mankind. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. Twisting, turning further from my home.